What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement, Amron. And in most normal leagues, this is it. This is the last week of the regular season. Most of us are in winning your in situations. You need another guy to lose so that you can squeak into the playoffs. Some of us have buys already locked in, but for most of us, this week we got to be dialed in. Can't make any mistakes. Must win scenarios to get into the playoffs. So, we're going to get everybody right here. We're going to talk through five must-add running backs on the waiver wire. They're all under 50% owned on ESPN. And then we talk about some bonus guys. we got some wide receivers, maybe even a tight end in the mix, so that you guys are good to go when waivers roll tonight, tomorrow, whenever they may be. So let's not waste any time. If you enjoy the video at any point, make sure down below. Subscribe. Leave a like. Let's go. Now, as always, I always put together for the Patreon a waiver wire article where I go through every single player that you need to add on waivers, like 10 to 15 deep each position. I go through, write down some key stats, some nuggets, and I sort them by how much fab I would bid on each player. So you can go right to the list, see exactly how much fab I'm recommend bidding on those players, and then obviously apply those in your league. Now, what we're going to go through today, five must-add running backs. It's just kind of me feeling out where I want to put these players when I make that article later. Um, let's talk through Zonovan Knight here. Jets running back, fantasy relevant, love to see it. He was great with no Michael Carter. He was the RB10 on the week, Zonovan Knight. He had 16.8 PPR points. He had 15 carries for 90 yards on the ground, five targets, five catches, 28 yards through the air. He was balling out versus the Vikings, man. He looked very, very good. He handled, I would say, the majority of the backfield, 20 of 32 running back opportunities. So that's a 62.5% opportunity share. That's solid. 55% of the snaps, that's also solid. He was the clear lead to James Robinson. Robinson had... I think four rushes for 10 yards on like a 2.5 yard per carry. I think at this point, James Robinson's probably cooked. He's probably even droppable in most leagues. On the other hand, you had uh, you had Zonovan Knight who came out here and even mixed it in the two-minute drill, was the sole guy on the goal line. You guys can see here four out of four goal line opportunities. He had six yards per carry. He was the third highest graded rusher on PFF. He had a great week. Now... I don't know if I would call this bad news, but Michael Carter is going to be back here very soon. So until Michael Carter comes back, I would say Zonovan Knight, somebody you can get off waivers that could just be a every week starter as like an RB2, RB3, and a hero RB build. That's exactly what you're getting from him. The issue is, again, Michael Carter should be returning soon. This is a list from Edwin Porras, one of the better Twitter doctors out there. And he has Michael Carter returning week 14, week 15. So we're in week 14 right now which means Michael Carter's either, either going to be back this week or next week. So that's something to monitor while you, you know, submit these claims is what is the likelihood that Michael Carter doesn't play? When do I need Zonovan Knight? It's all a part of the calculation of how to feel about Zonovan Knight. But yeah, just keep tabs on Michael Carter's health later on when you submit your claims. Now, after that, we have James Cook, who had a breakout game, but... This backfield is kind of muddied at this point. This is a great tweet from Dwayne McFarland. And he played really well, right? Or he saw his best usage of the year. He saw his largest snap share, 43%. He led the team in rush attempts with 40% of the rush attempts. The issue is 
Naeem Hines also had his best day. So Naeem Hines handled 31% of the snaps. He had 50% of the two-minute drill, 63% of the snaps inside the 10-yard line. So you now effectively have a Bills backfield that's probably going to be like a 40-40-20 split. So like 40-40 between James Cook and Devin Singletary and then like 20% to Naeem Hines. It's pretty rough. James Cook did have a great game on, it was the Thursday night game, I believe, against the Patriots. 16.5 PPR points. He was the RB12 on the week. 14 for 64 on the ground. Six catches for 41 yards through the air is pretty crazy for a running back in that Bills offense. Again, the issue is that this is probably going to be a pretty, you know, clogged committee. I wouldn't go out there and add James Cook with the plan of starting him right away. But I think that he is trending in the right direction. He's probably a handcuff at worst. Maybe he sort of works his way into flex upside as a standalone option. If not, if something was to happen to Devin Singletary, James Cook would pretty easily be an RB2 right away. Now, after that, we have somebody that I bent the rules on. Okay, I bent the rules on Cam Akers. He's owned 53.2% of ESPN. So what, like 3% over our threshold. And I wanted to talk through Akers because he's interesting. He saw a 70% plus snap rate. He saw 85% of the running back touches. He ends up with 17 carries, 60 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. He finishes at the RB8 with 19 PPR points. Cam Akers, a guy who has been pretty much MIA all season long. And it's all positive here, but I want to sort of give you guys some sobering analysis here. I wouldn't be like falling all over myself for Akers. It's pretty. The production is good. But this is a really bad Rams team that is like without Aaron Donald. They're without Matthew Stafford. They're without Cooper Cup. I know that they scored a decent amount of points in this game against the Seahawks, but I just don't really know how this offense is going to put up points or how they're going to move the football here. And you also have what McVay has been with these running backs this year. This is a great tweet from Daigle that just kind of shows how random this backfield has been. And we got sobered this week. Again, we saw Gus Edwards. We saw Ty Davis Price, two guys that I thought would be the lead backs in their backfield, especially Gus Edwards, who the week prior led the backfield. And then the next week pulled the plug. Same thing with uh, Mike McDaniel and Moster and Jeff Wilson. All of these like running back committees, man. They aren't leaning on a lead guy for too long. We see Akers led the backfield in touches in week 13. Then you have Akers in week 11, but there's Kyron Williams in between them. Then you have Henderson twice, then Ronnie Rivers, then Henderson, then Akers, and Henderson, then Akers, Akers, Henderson. It's just all over the board. He could go back to Kyron Williams next week. We don't really know how this shakes out. I think that the upside is there. I just want to temper expectations ever so slightly because of how random this backfield has been. Now, after that, we have, I would say, like lower end running back ads here, but this is just going to be the Seattle running backs. We have DJ Dallas, we have Travis Homer. And if we look at that injury graphic one more time from earlier, where do they have Kenneth Walker? Kenneth Walker, week 14, week 15 as well. So again, this is like Zahneman Knight, where you might not even get a week of production from these guys. So again, temper expectations don't go all out. Keep an eye on the injury report to see what's going on with Kenneth Walker. He like tweaked his ankle. They, it was like a weird injury. They said he like jammed his ankle, which I don't even know what that means. We don't know when he'll be back. Again, could be this week, could be next week. Regardless, it's going to be pretty short term by the looks of uh by the looks of this graphic from Edwin Porras. And this is the confusing part. This backfield was all over the place. You have Kenneth Walker get hurt, and then apparently DJ Dallas also suffered an injury, which then brought in Tony Jones. So. There's a lot to sort of dissect here. You have Kenneth Walker go down. DJ Dallas comes in. He is handling all the high-value touches. You can see here, six out of seven uh, long down and distance, five of five inside the 10. 
we want those high value touches, but then he suffers an injury, gives way to Tony Jones. And then you have a guy who is ahead of DJ Dallas on the depth chart in Travis Homer, who has been the direct backup all year long as he's very much more the uh, satellite back. Well, I think DJ Dallas is a little bit more of the uh, early down grinder in this backfield. So he missed this game with an illness. He should be good to go for next week. I think that they'll give um, the benefit of the doubt to Travis Homer as like the pseudo lead back next week. The issue is here is that if Kenneth Walker misses this game, they play the Panthers who are giving up a lot of points to fantasy running backs, which means one of these guys is going to be startable. We just don't really know which one. It'll probably be Travis Homer or DJ Dallas. I would say both guys will probably be in like the RB35 area for me in terms of weekly ranking. So we're talking like low-end RB3s here. But I would lean Travis Homer uh, if he's healthy for this game. If not, I would go DJ Dallas. I think it'll be sort of a similar split to like a Deonta Foreman-Chuba Hubbard uh, before Deonta Foreman completely pulled away with that job. Uh, again, I think it'll be a pretty true committee. It's not going to be a ton of fantasy points. But again, if you're scraping out there, you can get some low-end RB3 production if Walker can't suit up. Now, our last running back we'll talk through today is, again, I got duped. Ty Davis probably thought he was going to come in, be the, the handcuff. He was not. We have the stats here where it was CMC for 81% of the snaps, dominated everything, and then you had Jordan Mason, 19% of the snaps. He had eight carries, 51 yards on the ground. That's pretty good. I don't know that he'll carve out a standalone role. I will say that there is a standalone role up for grabs, right? We just saw Elijah Mitchell before Jordan Mason and Ty Davis Price, where Elijah Mitchell was getting like 10 plus carries a game behind Christian McCaffrey, almost eating into McCaffrey's volume. I don't think Mason or Ty Davis Price will eat into McCaffrey's volume, but there is a world out there where they sort of command a role where once McCaffrey hits like his 20 touch limit that they don't really want to go over, that one of them comes in and gives you like 12 to 13 to 14 touches out there. So I don't mind Jordan Mason. I would say that I would look at him as like a pure handcuff. Again, you're not grabbing Jordan Mason to go out there and throw in your lineup, but a really nice handcuff on a team that likes to run the ball. Uh, and they have McCaffrey who hasn't really held up to injuries in the past. Uh, after Jordan Mason, we have Darius Slayton. So now we'll talk, we'll talk some wide receivers here. And Darius Slayton is balling out of control. And it's sort of weird because he was a, I believe a fifth round guy from Auburn, uh, he has, you know, like long speed. He looks good. And he comes out, he flashes as a, as a rookie. He actually looked really good as a rookie and then just kind of fell off the play, face of the earth. I'm, I'm trying to think of someone like a similar career path in that way. But he showed enough early on in his career that I didn't really understand why by like year three, he was like a roster bubble player. I don't know if it was something with the coaches or, you know, they, they changed regimes like so many times the past four years with the Giants. But at the end of the day, he can play. He's not a super high upside guy, but he is kind of, he reminds me of a like early career Robbie Anderson where he's like skinny, svelte, downfield guy. He's been good. He was the wide receiver 22 this week. He had eight targets, six catches for 90 yards. And if we look at just like since week seven, this is a tweet from Jeff Bell. Since week seven, Darius Lane has been the wide receiver 24 in points per game. That's a long time, week seven. That's like what the last six weeks, last eight weeks. He's averaged six, 76 yards per game over his last six games, a 1,294-yard season-long pace. Of course, it's Darius Slayton, so it's not sexy at all, but he's like a low-end wide receiver three the rest of the way. They have no one else to throw to outside of, like I guess, Saquon and Daniel Bellinger on this offense, but no Wandale, no Kadarius Toney. It is literally Darius Slayton lining up next to wide receivers like Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, 
converted wide receivers. I think like David Sells, Sills is out there. It's a really ugly wide receiver room. The offense is pretty efficient. Darius Slayton is, again, not a super high upside guy. I don't think he's going to win leagues necessarily, but he's someone that can give you a nice spike week uh, in your flex spot from time to time. Now, after that, we have a guy that was on our must-start radar, Michael Gallup. And the reason we were so into him was because the usage was there. If we look here, this is from Dwayne McFarland's usage or uh, utilization report. Look, week 12, 92% of the routes, 28 or like 29%, 28% target route run, 29% targets, dominated across the board, only hit like 11 points, per, or only hit like 11 PPR points, but was due to really pop off here. And he has a monster game. He has seven targets, four catches, 23 yards, two touchdowns. Now I know 23 yards isn't a ton, but seven targets usually for Michael Gallup who operates downfield, seven targets will end up as like five for 65 or five for 70 most days. It just so happens that two of his targets were in the end zone, in the red zone. So he ends up with 18.3 PPR points as the wide receiver 16 this week with a 27% target per out run. So he is in a spot. He's commanding targets. Yes, they're going to bring in Odo Beckham, but I'm really not that scared off by it. I don't think that he's going to be a instant difference maker. And Michael Gallup, Seems to be a lot better from this ACL injury. Moving forward, I think that, again, he's kind of like Darius Slayton as like a low-end wide receiver three that you can flex from time to time. After that, we have our last wide receiver, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is seeing life here. Now, he didn't have a big game, just two catches for seven yards, but the usage was there. He was more involved than ever today. He ran 45 of 60 routes for a 75% participation which was his highest participation since running 81 percent of the routes in week five and 75 percent is probably where it's going to top out at but that's fine he had 75 percent of the routes six targets and a carry so they're using him they're manufacturing him touches and the biggest reason for the 75 percent is he's behind Corey davis because Corey davis is going to be out there with garrett wilson and two wide receiver sets elijah moore something that we've been calling for all year is finally playing in the slot he ran 73.9 percent of his snaps from the slot position, which was his highest of the season. I didn't look at his rookie year, but I would venture to say the highest of his career. So he's finally getting those slot snaps. But what that means is that if he's going to be the primary slot wide receiver, he's not going to be out there in two wide receiver sets, especially when you have Corey Davis who run blocks like a maniac and you have Garrett Wilson who is just a stud. Uh, But like he's in a nice role. Uh, This Jets offense is running more plays. They're passing the ball more. Uh, There was like 300 plus passing yards to go around with Mike White on Sunday. Elijah Moore... If he's going to see 75% of the routes and he's going to run out of the slot, I think that he will be in the mix to, to produce for fantasy. Uh, our last guy, we'll talk about a tight end real quick. Uh, Greg Doltich. I still don't understand how he's only owned in 38.6% of ESPN leagues. He now has three straight weeks of 80% route participation or better. 80% plus route participation for a tight end is like elite. 70% plus is good. So he's already elite. And on top of that, something that's really underrated about Greg Dolchich. His ADOT is 12.5 yards downfield. That is smack between Kyle Pitts, Greg Dolchich, Darren Waller, top three tight ends in ADOT this year. He operates downfield, which adds a ton of efficiency to a tight end position where not a lot of guys outside of like Kittle is going to give you a ton of yards after the catch, right? So if you can already tack on that ADOT, you're getting a lot more efficiency per target just based on where you are on the field. And when you have that efficiency, when you have that ADOT, you're participating in all these routes and you have a wide receiver room in Denver where Cortland Sun, Jerry Judy, and KJ Hamler all dealing with injuries. Dolchich is the only constant in that wide receiver, or just receiving room in general. 
And he puts up 14.5 PPR points this week. He had eight targets, six catches, 85 yards. And I believe he finished as the tight end one in fantasy this week as a rookie. It was a down week for tight end scoring. Um, unless if like Taysom Hill outscored him last night and I didn't see it. Or like Kate Otten scored a touchdown too, so maybe he did. But Greg Dolchich should be back end tight end one streamable rest of the way. Now, that is going to do it for us today. As always, if you enjoyed, make sure you go down below. Subscribe, leave a like. I hope that you guys... All do well this week. It is prime time. Time to get down to business. Must win setups here. So I hope that you guys crush waivers. We're going to be locked in this week. We actually are going to talk through some dynasty. Um, I'm going to finish my dynasty rankings today for the Patreon. And then I think I'm going to use them tomorrow. And we will do a dynasty mock draft tomorrow. Like a startup mock draft. We haven't done one of those in a while. I'm thinking about doing it. If any of you guys make it to this part of the video, let me know if that would be something that you'd like to see. Uh, just like a, you know, a nice like... 10 12 round dynasty startup mock draft shoot the shit in a live stream have a good time i think it would be fun uh but let you guys get out of here on this hope you enjoyed as always i will see you guys in the next one i got the juice i got the juice channel on foolies glad i'm on even my haters kind of glad i'm on rest in peace to my bag up on rapper song singer suspended subpoena from mr meaner